I would go to youth group as a teenager in short shorts and tank tops with like the really skinny little strap and nobody really cared because you know it was it could be like 40 degrees at eight o'clock at night and the church did not have very good air conditioning so everyone would just be sweating bullets the whole time and nobody really nobody really batted an eyelash if the girls wanted to wear something that wasn't going to give them heat stroke and I'm not saying that like the Australian church is better or that we get it right all the time like, I don't know if my experience was universal or if I just got lucky at my particular youth groups that I went to, but the purity culture was just never something that I experienced, not in the way that it's described to me by Americans who grew up in the church. And I, are you guys okay over there? Are you, are you okay? Damn, I'm glad I didn't peek in high school because my best days would be Hey everyone, welcome to Unlearning Youth Group, we're the podcast where we take a look at all the things we learned back in youth group, find the good, unlearn the bad, and figure out where the heck we go from here. We haven't met, my name is Jonathan Carone, and we're joined, as always, by our co-host, Mr. Eric Williams. Eric, go ahead and say hey to the people. What's up, people? Depending on when you're listening to this, this is either beach body season or it's about to be beach body season. So we've got an important topic to talk about that I love talking about each and every season we do the podcast. We try to hit purity culture at least one time every season because it was such an integral part of youth group, of church, of being Mm. a teenager in the church. And it's one of the things that I think has caused the most shame and pain and bad ideas moving forward. It's one of the biggest things we have to unlearn. So today... We are hitting something that is very summer specific. It's the idea that girls had to wear one pieces, tankinis, or t-shirts to any water-related event that we did back in youth group if it was church-related. No two pieces were allowed uh, because somehow in church, a girl's stinky belly button is sexually attractive. (laughs) Uh, I think we've talked about this in other episodes, but um, in, in a youth group, that we led, we would talk about, uh, or I, I guess we would, but mostly the girls would talk about to other girls covering up your bees, your boobs, your belly, and your butt. <laughs> you had to cover up your three bees, your boobs, belly, and butt. So those were the three, three things that you just had to somehow, you know, they were sinful to leave exposed or even hinted to. If you are a woman and you are listening to this episode, at some point, you had to either buy an awkward one piece or throw uh-huh. a T-shirt on whatever you were wearing, uh, more than likely, in youth group growing up. And here's the thing. There wasn't a universal rule for guys either. No, not like, at all. Guys could roll up wearing whatever they wanted to, mm-hmm. and that was okay. But girls, and, nope. And in some cases, for the guys, it was, like, funny. You know what I mean? Like, if in some cases, guys wore the shortest chubbies or if they would, like, roll up their bathing suit, stuff like that. So that was basically, you know, a, a grape smuggling banana hammock. Like, that was, like, a, <laughs> that was used for humor, you know, whereas we didn't apply that same rule or that same, you know, th- there was a more restrictive rule for girls than there was for guys, for sure. Or if the guy was the muscle head meathead high school kid with the V and everything yep. like he'd wear super low cut shorts to show off that V. And we, 
the idea, and we'll get into this sentence a little bit more later, but boys are more visually stimulated than girls are. That was one of the things that was said uh, for the reason for this. And we'll talk about this when we get to the part about like, what do we do wrong and where do we go from here? But that, that idea um, is just looking back not knowing what I know now is totally untrue, but here's the other funny part, Eric, I don't know. You didn't grow up in church as much as I did. So you may not have been a part of this. Were you ever around a youth group or a church setting to where guys and girls couldn't swim together? I mean, I've heard of them, you know, there was definitely that because there were, uh, you know, I worked for the YMCA when I was in high school. And so we had a lot of homeschool situations where we had a lot of religious groups that would come to use our pools. And there was definitely a lot of that where we, you know, depending on their background, you couldn't have, you know, guys like we would have lock-ins, right. For some of these different churches and the guys would have pool time and then the girls would have pool time. So yes, I'm familiar with it. So that, that was definitely what I grew up in. The, the lock, I didn't, the lock-in thing I totally forgot about, but that's exactly the guys would swim from one to two in the morning and the girls yep. would swim from two to three in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, and I was the 14 year old lifeguard sitting there you know, try, <laughs> just trying to stay awake. <laughs> but I remember specifically youth camp, church camp. I was probably fifth or sixth grade and the guys and the girls had to swim separately. We would only interact because the girls would go swimming first and then the guys would come in and we'd have a baptism service in between like Mm. while both sexes were there but the girls were wearing t-shirts and i never understood looking back why were the girls wearing t-shirts and having to cover up in fifth grade with no guys around right in front of other girls yeah it just so if the argument is you know you don't you want to make sure like the whole reason why the purity culture piece uh, existed, which we'll get to the the good behind it. But it's like, if your justification was to prevent your brothers in Christ from stumbling, but you're not around the brothers in Christ, like, are you saying you're trying to prevent your sisters in Christ from stumbling? Or are we trying to just control things? Because I, I mean, and in fifth grade, in fifth grade, yeah, especially. And I, I think that, you know, you brought it up before, but it was like trying to say that um, you know, girls aren't as, as visually stimulated as guys. I mean, we've, we've seen in the past here, like turning red just came out. And so to kind of get that little bit of a, of a Disney Pixar view of a 13 year old girl's perspective, and, and they're obviously doing their drawings of the boys they liked. And then on TikTok, you know, you're seeing creators, like I want to mention, uh, confused Christians. If you're on TikTok, you should follow her. But she mentioned too, like, are we not looking at the same boys? Because, you know, girls, now that they are able to have these, these kind of democratized platforms like TikTok and, and podcasts and other things like that are like, uh, no, no, this is not true. And so I think looking back, you're like, man, what, what lie were we fed or were we feeding others? That confused Christians TikTok was one of the funniest things I have seen recently. So, I mean, we, we kind of talked about what this idea was. You get the idea at this point. One of the things that I did was I put it out on TikTok and asked women how this idea made them feel. Hmm. What did having to wear a two-piece or, I mean, excuse me, having to wear a one-piece or having to wear a t-shirt over a two-piece, how did that make them feel growing up? And I just want to read you some of the uh, answers that I got because I think I think they're important to hear. If you are a parent, if you are a current youth leader, this is the way that people are feeling when we do that to them. Monica said it made me feel inferior 
for not wearing a t-shirt over swimwear. And so I thought that was interesting. Chloe said, it made me feel excluded, unhappy with my body and judged on my physical appearance from age six, Mm. age six. Yep. Jamie said, I ended up being super uncomfortable with my body and also with anything that actually fit me. Yeah. Callie Ann said it translated into feelings of shame as an adult. You don't just flip a switch at 18 or on the wedding day. You relive those rules as a, as always, as an adult, I struggle with body and sexuality as big shame moments. It sucks no. because I want to be my authentic self, but my authentic self is shameful based on the rules that were set. That's, that's amazing. And wow. these, these are grown adults who are now saying this as collateral damage from youth group. Uh, Nikki said, as a teen, it sent the message that my body was a cause for other sexual sin. Still yep. unlearning that one. That's and crazy. so that's one of the ones I want to, ju- like, I want to I jump off that idea because we, I've mentioned this in another episode. So if you're a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about this, but the idea that it was the girl's responsibility solely for the purity and the thoughts of the guys, mm-hmm. the shame that came with that. I, I just can't imagine being put in that spot. Right. Yeah. And I think it, wh- what that does, and, and every time we talk about this, this is kind of what it comes back down to me, but it's like, whether, whether us as leaders, whether the male aspect of this was thinking about this intentionally or not, it comes down to control. So, po- you know, whether it was consciously or subconsciously, because, because the message that's sent is there's something wrong with the female body if it's not controlled. Now that causes an issue. There's something wrong. You know, uh, females are these uh, or women are the source of sin for men is now a control thing because that still puts uh, the men in a hierarchy above women control wise. And it's like, man, now you've not only gone from being, you know, physically, we talk about physical differences, but also now emotionally, mentally and spiritually setting women as inferior or as as being um, in a spot where they need to be controlled. Not only do they need to be controlled by men, they need to control themselves and women need to police other women because we can't let this thing out, you know? And one of the things that I found interesting in the responses from the TikTok question, and one of the story at the beginning is was used from one of those responses where someone duetted or uh, stitched the video. This is a highly American thing. Yeah, You heard the accent in the intro that it was an Australian accent and her entire video talked about the idea that in Australia, like it wasn't sexual like that. Right. If they covered up in Australia, it was because the sun was so dang hot and it was a preventative measure so that people didn't get sunburn or sun poisoning, mm-hmm. but they live outside so much. She was, she went on in the story. It was nothing for, girls to show up to youth group events in short shorts and tank tops because it was so dang hot. Right. And they just, they didn't sexualize things in the same way that we do in America. And that was eye opening to me that I mean, I know that we have our own issues in the American church and that we approach things wrong, but I don't think I realized how pervasive that idea of that, the over sexualization of young girls is both in the 
secular culture in America, because I don't want the, people to think this is just a church thing, mm-hmm. but also in the church, how we just overly sexualize everything when it comes to teenage girls. Yeah. And, and I think it's even, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because it's not only American, but I think a little bit more a modern approach as well. Because like I said, I, w- I worked uh, throughout high school and college in, in YMCA's across Ohio. And one of the YMCA's, they were like one of the last ones to stop doing uh, nude bathing times. So literally, you know, into the eighties and nineties, they had swim, they had swims times where, you know, it was gender, it was gender separate, but like there was no bathing suits. And like they, you know, if you, if you look in the history of that, it's because even indoor outdoor bathing, um, if you would wear clothes to go swimming, it would actually be toxic for the water because you're bringing in all that stuff from the fibers and your clothes and everything else like that. So like, even just thinking back, how did we get to a point where um, in the, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, we had women swimming naked with other women. And now at youth group, we have fifth grade girls wearing a t-shirt with other <laughs> fifth grade girls, you know, like that's super weird. And okay. So not like I want to go back to it. Cause trust me, I've been in quite a few locker rooms where I wish people would put the towels old dude on. in the locker room. Right. Exactly. Leg you know up on I mean? the bench. And well, just that have was a conversation. It's like the steam room and the, you know, it's just, you know, just let it all hang out. And it's like, okay, I don't want to go back to that necessarily. But I think that just illustrates the point that we as Christians tend to go like, well, this is how it's always been, or this is what God ordained from the garden of Eden and from all this when it's like, no, really, this and a lot of other subjects um, have evolved with us culturally and have evolved with us over the last generation or two. That is one of those pieces why we need to unlearn some of those things so that we don't continue uh, to cause future trauma and future pain uh, for the next generation. And we could spend this entire episode talking about the purity side of it and purity culture, mm-hmm. but there were other implications and other bad results from these policies Yeah, that I don't think we necessarily think about. One of them, uh, I forget, I couldn't get the username for the person who said this, but she said, it's worse when you're poor and your options are Walmart and the local thrift store. That sucks. Yep. yep. I mean, when we do this in youth group or in church settings, what if that person only has one bathing suit? Mm-hmm. So not only are you shaming them from a physical sexuality side of things, you're also adding in the economic shame as well that they right. couldn't go out and afford a one piece bathing suit. That's something that I don't think I realized until the last couple of years. It's something that wouldn't have even crossed my mind. That's my privilege speaking there. Yeah. But I never would have thought about that. Well, and leading these youth groups and camps and things like that, my wife was always, you know, as it is ministry couple, whatever, she was always one of the leaders as well. And she taught in, um, you know, poorer school districts. And she would always talk about that because she was a middle school teacher. And she would talk about one for her trying to find a, a bathing suit that fit. That was a one piece that was, you know, quote unquote appropriate was difficult as an adult, let alone now she's got her own students and the girls that are in her group that she's trying to help them find something appropriate as well. And then, you know, hearing her talk about the stories of just how that happens girl to girl to even bring that up. Like, wait, why do we have to do this? Well, because of this, because of that, because and now the conversation gets awkward where you're just like, I don't even feel right justifying it. Um, 
and in some cases it was just easier for some of her girls to avoid being a part of the gathering or, or whatever else, because, you know, they, they couldn't afford it or it was just impractical or some of the other, um, you know, things that some of the other women who are, who are commenting that, you know, just a body image issue. And they just did not, they didn't even want to put themselves in that position. And so they avoided an opportunity to be in fellowship with the youth group or an opportunity to even be a part of the community because of this barrier that we were creating as leaders. Well, that was my next point. Not only did it ostracize people who didn't have the money for a second bathing suit, but it also created this giant barrier to entry because so not only do they now have to get over the shame of not having the money, but if you invited a friend to your event, you had to make sure they knew to wear a one piece Mm -hmm. or that they were calling the girl with a t-shirt on. And so it wasn't just a, Hey, my church is doing this thing. Like we're hanging out at a pool party. I'd love for you to come. It's, yep. Hey, I'd love for you to come, but you also have to make sure you wear a one piece or if you wear yep. a two piece, they're going to make you wear a t-shirt over top of it. And then you're having to explain that to people. Yeah. You have that awkward moment where your friend shows up um, and now she's in a, you know, a, a normal two piece bathing suit. And then there is the public like leader has to come and say, Hey, come over here. Let's talk about it. And next thing you know, she's walking back out in a t-shirt and how embarrassing is, is all of that situation. And so it, maybe that's your first experience in church are these outreach events that we do in youth group, which is a pool party, which is a, something like that. And now your friend shows up, but then their first experience is a source of shame caused by a church situation. And you know, when they're not in youth group events and they're doing water based events with their friends, when they're going to the pool together, they're not doing this. And so it's like, it's not like we're like, right. The good behind this approach is that we're trying to protect kids. That, with anything purity culture, that was the good that underlied that approach. Intention, right. The, but yeah, that one time a summer, you're going to protect them. But the entire rest of the summer, it's not going to be. I mean, so right. what are we really doing there? Yeah. If most of your kids have two different, most of your girls have two different bathing suits anyway. What, what's the other bathing suit for? every other time when they're not at youth group, you know? So yeah. it's just, it's pretty ridiculous to think about it that way. And, I, and I'll say this too, here's the other bad part that it leads to. So my wife teaches, like I said, middle school. And right now we live in an area with um, a lot of, let's say a particular denomination that is known for being generally <laughs> conservative in the Southwest mountain area that may or may not be considered heretical by other mainline denominations. Anyway, so the what what my wife says is because of this extended purity culture, what happens is the boys in her class, seventh grade boys come in and they seem to have a very flippant attitude, very low respect, especially for the girls in their class or their female teachers. But the girls who are a part of this particular separatist denomination um, of, let's say, like, you know, after day type of people, latter day, <laughs> let's say, um, they come in and they are very proper. They are very reserved. They will not share. They do not talk about emotion. They do not talk about feelings. And it's like they she can tell that these girls do not want to mess up. They do not want to screw up. They do not want to be seen. You know, they do not want to cause problems. And so. Whereas we're trying to protect young girls, um, that first we've talked about it, the, the, the lack of consistency between girls and boys causes problems for the boys. And then it's maybe an overcorrection 
for a lot of the girls. Mm-hmm. We've talked on many episodes, like half of season three was purity culture issues. We've done an episode on season one and season two. So if you want to hear us talk more about choosing not to sexualize the opposite sex or sexualizing kids in general, mm-hmm. or how we have to teach kids, especially boys to retrain their minds instead of bounce their eyes. You can go <laughs> listen to those ideas in those other episodes for this one. I think Eric put this in our notes. And I, I think I want to land here because we do want to respect your time with what you have Eric in, in our notes. Can you talk about, what you wrote down about where do we go from here when it comes to approaching most of these purity culture issues, Mm -hmm. what's the grid or the filter we need to send it all through? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I would bring that up. Here's, here's what I want to say. If you're listening to us this far, this is what I think needs to be said as well. Most women, you already know this. And so maybe hearing us talk about these things is validating to you. And I want you to hear that, you know, your experience um, is valid, right? But I think a lot of the things that we talk about here, especially when it comes to purity culture, how come two, you know, middle-aged white dudes are talking about purity culture as it relates to women? It's mostly because I want the men listening to understand that this is going on. If you haven't heard this, if you don't understand this, if you don't know this, you need to know that this is happening. It has happened. Your wife- Because on your- almost all of my TikToks that talk about purity culture- the comments are women agreeing mm-hmm. with me, thanking me for the validation, and men saying, well, aren't we going to teach priority anymore? We just right. tell people to go out and sleep whoever they want to. Yep. And it's men fighting back about this issue instead of actually owning up the idea that maybe we did things wrong. Yes. So hear us, uh, women who are listening. Uh, this is not trying to mansplain your uh your situations, your experiences. This is us trying to use our male voices to talk to other men because unfortunately they're not listening to the women in their lives or the women in their lives are too afraid to tell them about this. So anyway, here's the framework that I would look at is I, I always talk, talk about the ask why five times when it comes to this. So Jonathan, let's role play here. You tell, you tell me what the, what the topic is here. Ladies, if you're going to come to our beach pool party, you got to be wearing a one-piece bathing suit. Okay. I hear that. Why? Because we don't want boys looking at your boobies. Why is that? Because they can't take control of their mind and they're visually stimulated. Oh, see, within already three whys, we're getting down to a, a, a different issue. Why? Because we taught them to bounce their eyes instead of not to look at their sisters in Christ as sexual beings. Why? I don't know. See, going from there, if you start to get digging down, we start to take these, you know, dogmatic rules. Girls need to wear a one piece. And then when you just say, well, why is that? And you start to dig down to the root of why it is. It has nothing to do with the girls. Right. We've gone through the, And this was just a role play. Right. But like we get down to it has everything to do in this particular situation with the boys. Oh, and so if we are honest by that fifth why, the answer is we don't want to have the hard conversations with boys to help them understand the responsibility they need to take in their own lives. What we want to do is control uh, the source of the thing that's that's making it difficult for boys to take responsibility in their own lives, and that's a girl's body. And so to continue to go down that path becomes a way to unlearn and a way to 
positively move forward with some of these dogmatic type of rules that we've set. It's been a while since we mentioned that Eric and I are both in marketing, but (laughs) one of the things that plays out in marketing that I think has transformed my thinking on a lot of this stuff is the idea that there are three types of problems. Mm -hmm. There are external problems, internal problems, and philosophical problems. Mm -hmm. The external problem is we don't want boys to be thinking the things they shouldn't. It's the, it's the external, the physical thing. Mm -hmm. The internal problem is how that external problem makes them feel. Yeah. Boys shouldn't be looking at girls like that. Why internally? Well, they're going to think this, Mm. they're going to, they're going to not be able to control their thoughts or whatever. If we take it to the philosophical problem, why is it just playing wrong for boys to be having those thoughts and to thinking those Mm. things? Because it's sin to be lusting after another person. Okay, so ah. we now have our, our external, our internal, our philosophical problem. Most people, this is politicians, this mm-hmm. is marketers, this is business owners, this is product designers. They build and develop things for the external problem. And, oh, so we don't want these other things to happen. So we're just going to go ahead and tell girls cover up and Mm -hmm. that's going to solve all three layers of the problem. The thing is people make decisions based off their internal problems, not the external problem. Yes. So if we really want to have change, if we really want to have influence, we have to start speaking to the internal problems that people are facing. Boys are going to think that about girls. Okay. That's a legitimate problem. That is a legitimate issue. Lust is a sin. So how can we start combating that issue Mm -hmm. without putting the blame on on the external problem? How can we actually start going after the internal problem and working towards that? That's where this why series of questions gets because you get from the external to the internal and philosophical. And if we can start combating the ex the internal and the philosophical, then we're able to make generational change and actually help kids and teenagers moving forward so that they can have proper ways to think and do as they become adults, instead of having to get to where they're 35 and they're having to unlearn all this stuff. Exactly. And then be careful everybody who's listening to this, whether it's you thinking this or you that is agreeing and now is going to say these things. And this is going to be the response. Someone will inevitably use a straw man argument to say something else. Just like what Jonathan said earlier, the response will be, well, then what do you want? You think that women should be able to run around all naked and showing everything all over the place? Is that what you want in front of my two-year-old? You know, they, they come up with this extremely weird and specific. Yes. That know, was God's original design for people before right. sin entered the world, the fall of man. <laughs> right. Right. So they come up with this weird and specific thing that's surface level again. And, you know, first of all, we got to avoid getting in conversations like that, but play it out and say, well, no, I mean, that's not what we're we're talking about. And continue to ask those, those whys. Why would somebody like, why would somebody do that? And also, why does that change the problem? If, if there is someone right now that's running around naked outside, you know, in front of any man, let's say it's a woman running around naked in front of any man, that is still not the woman's problem for the man's lust and thoughts. Likewise, if a dude's running around naked, it's not mm-hmm. his fault to to or not his responsibility to control the woman's thoughts as well. Correct. We are responsible for our own thoughts and yep. desires and temptations. 
Yeah. So let's not make it about these surface level external problems. When we're not careful, the way this plays out, there is a very valid internal problem, the problem of sin, the problem of lust, the problem of uh, men and will, women controlling their only own thoughts and urges and desires. But because we, there's no easy solution for that, what we end up doing, if we're not careful, is we end up putting that problem on an, we put that internal problem on an external thing. And that becomes pieces of female anatomy and it expands to women in general. And now we have just tried to, you know, taken a baseball bat where we needed a scalpel and we've just bludgeoned an issue that should not have, you know, it's a nuclear bomb situation where there's so much collateral damage that really, one, doesn't solve the problem in the first place. And two, it creates more problems that people who are in their mid thirties and forties are now trying to unlearn and they're leaving the church and they're leaving Jesus because of it. So if you're listening to this in the week that it comes out, next week is Memorial Day, and it's the unofficial kickoff to the summer. Mm-hmm. And so this is something that I just want you to keep in mind as you go out through the summer. If you're a youth pastor that's listening to this, take a look at some of your rules this summer. Take a look at how you and your ministry and your leaders are approaching these things because it's worth wrestling with and asking the five whys. Why mm-hmm. are we doing this? Why are we doing this? If you're a parent and you're throwing the shame onto your daughters, mm-hmm. why, why, why? If you're a parent and you're letting your son wear super short chubbies that are super low cut or going out in a speedo, again, ask the why. Or ask excusing, the why. yeah, excusing their own responsibility in the situation. Because if we are going to lead the next generation of Christians better, we have to start thinking about these hard issues and not being afraid of changing the way we teach the next generation from what we were taught. The people who taught us, they had good intentions. At least I'm going to give them credit and say that they had good intentions. They may not have, but I choose to look at it positively. They may have had good intentions, but we have enough data and experience to know that there were bad results from those good intentions. And we as parents and leaders are going to screw up, but we have the information that past generation that led us did not have. If we make the same mistakes, that is now on us. Mm-hmm. They get a pass. They may not have known. We know now, so we have to do better now. Totally agree. We now have the knowledge, we have the burden and the responsibility to do better. So um, I want to echo what, what Jonathan said. If you're, a, if you're a youth pastor, if you're a student ministry pastor, if you are working in ministry, hear me, I get you. It's hard. It is a difficult situation, so especially if you are the youth pastor. Hardest job in ministry. And yeah. And you have elders, you have deacons, you have your lead pastor, your executive pastor, and maybe they're not, they don't understand this. I get that it's difficult. And, you know, if there's anything that, that I can do, if Jonathan can do, reach out to us, let us know, because we want to be able to walk with you because we're passionate about the church. We're passionate about the next generation. And we're passionate, honestly, about you and your leadership to help you be able to lead people. Absolutely. If you do want to reach out, you can find us on all the major uh, social media platforms. I am at Jonathan underscore Corone on all three major platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, Eric, you're Eric W712 on all three platforms as well. So feel free to reach us out. You can get in touch with us at hello at unlearning youth group. We've had some great emails recently, um, just helping you work through some stuff with some thoughts and 
issues and questions you've had. So feel free to email those in as well. Subscribe to the show, rate the show, share it with a friend. For now, we hope you have a great week and we will talk to you next week.